Do you remember those really old, stupid comedian jokes where they would complain about their marriage? Yeah. Okay, shall we do one of those? Yeah, that's the vein I'm... Okay, we'll start with one of those. Because it's good, to, uh, it's good to start with something to calm everyone down, right? And hopefully not offend anyone. But, you know, I'm getting older. Many of you have noticed that though I would not consider myself old, certain parts of my body have changed over the years. There's a little more of this going on, a little less of this going on. There's, some, there's just some things that have happened. And I was looking in the mirror and I was like, man, my hair's fallen out. Got weird creases on my, my eyes. I got sunspots on my skin. I don't know. I got a little belly going on. Just things are... My knee always hurts. Carrie, can you just pay me a compliment? I need you to boost my, my, my mood and pay me a compliment. And she said, well, your eyesight's darn near perfect. <laughs> Which is not, it's not actually. I can't see nothing. So that joke doesn't really work. Uh, then we were driving in the car. And you ever just look out over the open land and just filled with wonder? And gratitude for the Lord, just, just, wow. So I was looking out, and I was seeing cows and pigs and chickens and goats. I said, does that remind you of anything? What does that bring to your mind? She said, my in-laws. I said, what? What's wrong with you? I tell you, before I met my wife, I was incomplete. Now I'm finished. Okay. Those jokes are done now. And, as, and <laughs> we are in love, happily married. I think she's stunning and wonderful inside and out, and for some reason she likes me, so those are jokes. Are you ready for some Bible? Yes. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom. And if you have your Bibles open, you'll see that the second half of the verse in Greek, it's just one big flowing thought. It says, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs uh, to each other. Well, that's interesting, to each other. So next time I teach, I'll focus in on the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm going to spend a whole sermon, not this time, talking about church music. And actually, I already have too many notes to fit into a talk. So. But this time, I want to talk about this one. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. The word of Christ. So let the word of Christ dwell among you. What is meant by the word of Christ, Doug? Several options. He could mean the message about Christ, couldn't he? Or he could mean the actual sayings of Jesus, couldn't he? Or he could mean all Scripture properly understood in the light of Christ, couldn't he? The genitive is kind of vague. The of. What do you mean of? I think oftentimes... We, it's really weird that we do this, but I think oftentimes we Christians in the United States, when we hear the, the phrase, the word of Christ or the message of Christ, or when we hear the word, the gospel, we exclusively uh, narrow it down to the message that you were made in God's image by a good and loving God 
But having turned away from God, you and I all became sinners. So Christ became one of us and redeemed that which became sinful through dying on the cross in our place as one of us to kill our sin and rising from the dead to defeat death. And that as we trust in Jesus, we say our yes to Jesus, that covenant he made with his blood and resurrection comes online into our account, comes into our heart, comes into our walk with God, and we're forgiven completely, and his spirit comes into us that raised him from the dead and brings that new life right here and now into our life. I think sometimes we take the gospel and we make it only that message. Now that is the gospel, isn't it? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be, that if you believe, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. That is the gospel, isn't it? But is that the whole gospel? That's all that's required to get in, isn't it? But once you're in, isn't there a whole lot more to help you walk the thing out. And so sometimes I find it odd that we have almost a distinction between Christians who believe that message, the gospel, the, word about, the, the message about Christ, and then we have this other word called disciples to talk about those people who actually take the time to get to know the Christ, who he is, what he said. I find it interesting I remember learning in seminary that Jesus taught the gospel of the kingdom, but the apostles proclaimed the Christ of the kingdom, the king of the kingdom. So Jesus shows up, starts preaching the gospel. Do you think it's a safe bet to say that Jesus preached the gospel? And what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is drawn near. And that's the gospel, according to Jesus. And what's the gospel according to the apostles? Well, I just told you. Are those two messages incompatible? So it seems odd to me that we would draw such a distinction between Christians as believers and Christians as disciples. You would think, wouldn't you, that if Jesus is your Lord, that you would then get to know him, how to walk with him, and how he thinks, what he values, what he believes. You know he has beliefs, right? Even right now in his glorified body, in heaven at the right hand of the Father, he has opinions, ideas, he has an understanding. He has ideas about your life, your marriage, your story, your narrative, your season of life, your kids your struggles, your hopes, your dreams. He actually has thoughts in his head. The question is, do the thoughts in our head line up with the thoughts in his head? And as disciples, that's really what we're about. As disciples, disciple just means learner, and he's our rabbi. And we would then be learning, if we're truly his disciples, we'll be learning from Jesus how life works. So when we say, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, do I mean the message about Jesus 
that he is Messiah who, who, who came in the flesh, died for our sins, was raised from the dead to defeat death, ascended to the Father and will, he's reigning as king and he will return. Do I mean that? Sure. And do I also mean, when I say word of, the, word, the word of Christ, do I also mean the words that Jesus taught while he was here in the flesh? Absolutely, because he taught the gospel of the kingdom and through him we've come into the kingdom. And then there's that third piece I, I mentioned. So word of Christ, primarily I would say first thing, it's the message about Christ. Second thing, it's the message of Christ. And the third thing, it's actually all scripture properly understood in the light of Christ. All scripture rightly understood points to Jesus. He's the true and better. True and better Old Testament sacrifices. True and better Moses. True and better David. True and better temple. True and better Passover lamb. He's the, tr he's the true and better of just about every single thing that you can find in there. He's the true and better Joseph we just talked about this morning whose dumb brothers betrayed and sold him, you know, into slavery, and not only did he forgive, but his, his suffering ultimately was for their salvation. He's the true and better Joseph, yes. Amen. who was handed over for our foolishness to save us when we didn't know what we were doing. Right. So all scripture, rightly understood in the light of Messiah Jesus, is Christian truth, is Christian scripture. So we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us. Let's look at that word dwell. In John 1, we read that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus is what, Jesus is exactly what God has to say. Amen. And Jesus is, because the word, Peter says that, that the word of God is the, is the seed a seed carries the nature of, its, of the plant in it. Everything of the parent plant, all the DNA, is shrunk down and built into that seed. And if that seed takes root, you will have the nature of the parent plant reproduced somewhere else. I find it interesting, and this is a separate sidebar, but isn't it interesting that Paul talks so much about good fruit and he gets that from meditating on the words of Jesus. You know that, right? Like almost all Paul's teachings are nothing more than the, the, the byproduct of his reflections on the sayings of Jesus. That's another dumb thing I learned in seminary is how people seem to think that Paul taught one thing. There was a theory among German scholars that, that Paul invented Christianity. You agree with that? That's dumb. But apparently if you're really smart, you can have bad ideas using big words that sound good and convince people. No, Paul understood the scriptures through the lens of Jesus, and especially through the lens of Jesus' teachings. One of the things was Jesus talked about good fruit. Well, you ever notice how fruit is nothing more than a delivery system for seed? That's what it is. Fruit is a delivery system for seed. You want the gospel to go to the ends of the earth? Then you must preach the gospel, but you must also believe and live the gospel. 
because the seed is carried best in tasty, sweet fruit. And they're not going to care what we believe until we love, right? They say, you know, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's cheesy and true. But dwell, that's what we're talking about. The word dwell among you. Jesus was the word became flesh. Truth in the Christian view is not just ideas on a page. Truth is not an argument. Truth is not a series of logical statements on a page. Truth became a person, and that person lived with such integrity that he was the truth. And it's amazing to me, and this is, you know, this last year with Ravi Zacharias, the, the stuff that came out about his secret sin and his lifestyle of heinous sexual immorality, that shook some of us, a lot of us. And it caused a lot of people to doubt Jesus to, because he taught so eloquently with his mind, but then lived something that was incompatible. And it caused me to go, you know, that's great. It's really interesting that the presence of a few people who embody truth is far more powerful to establish that the, the, the Lord is good and that the gospel's true than incredibly eloquent arguments. You can, you can prove Jesus is Lord using your big fat brain all day long, but, but if you live the opposite, you tear down with your life what you're arguing for with your mouth. And so what this word dwell is saying is like, guys, this thing is to take on flesh in you and among you. The word is supposed to be your treasure. Your, just like Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. God, when they came out of the Exodus, he said, he said, I humbled you for 40 years and I fed you manna so that you would learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, not proceeded, proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. It's not a past book. It's not a book that's in print about what God used to say. Even what he used to say gets breathed on by the Holy Spirit and becomes what he is saying. It's a now word. And, and if our hearts are surrendered to him and we come to him to know him, to follow him, to, to have him download his understanding to us, insight and understanding can come online and we can say our yes, partner with it with our trust and grace will come and like electricity. Grace is like the electricity. Our faith is like our lightning rod or our, uh, I'm, I'm wishing Ray would help me with this. We'll get together and we'll work out the proper language because he's an electrician back there, electric man. Or Jacob, where's Jake? Faith is like my, my lightning rod. Grace, and I'm reaching up to the word of God, and grace is the electricity, and boom, this thing becomes powered and fueled by grace. But you cannot take faith and the word of God out of that equation. And it, but if you do, if you have what God is actually saying, and I actually trust what he's saying, put my trust in it, his Holy Spirit comes and makes it alive and real in me. And the word becomes flesh and dwells among us again. Isn't it crazy that Jesus is God incarnate and then we are called the body of Christ so that Paul gets knocked off his horse on the Damascus road and Jesus says, why are you persecuting? Does he say, these people who believe in me? Why are you persecuting this group of tax-exempt, organized people with creedal affirmations who are baptized and belong to these little clubs that gather once a week? 
Why are you persecuting this random assortment of disagreeing denominations with all of their various and sundry problems with each other? No, it's very simple. Why are you persecuting me? Because, why? Because as we put our trust in him, as we connect into him, his word begins to dwell in us, takes on flesh again, bears fruit in us. We become his people. It's not a metaphor. His spirit indwells us. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. These are temples of the Holy Spirit. And then together we make up a broader temple of the Holy Spirit. So that he's the mind, he's the brain directing us on earth through our union and surrender in, with him. Who's with me? So let the word of Christ dwell. Not, a, not an idea, not an abstract idea. In fact, if it's just an idea, and I, this is so crazy, like I, I think of what I Facebook, I, don't, I haven't been on Facebook much lately. I've been really shy online. I get that way from times I go offline for like three months because I'm like, I can't bear to be seen. I'll just stick with this flock. I'm okay here. I don't know about the broader public. So full disclosure. But I braved the waters. You know, yeah, Greg, because people have, everyone has an opinion. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't feel like being subjected to you know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so I tweeted, or tweeted, I, I Facebooked something like, um, we teach what we know, but we, what did I say now? We reproduce who we are. And what did I mean, guys? All we can say with our mouth is, is the best we understand. But the thing that people are going to actually learn from us is what they pick up from the bigger picture. Not what I say. They're going to learn more from what I do than what I say. They're going to learn from more from how I am. How I am. So that if I, like it's, have you ever seen the, I was listening to, to different conference speakers like a decade ago from a denomination. I thought it was weird. You could tell by listening what denomination they were from without knowing them, without hearing their belief system, just their inflections. I'd be like, oh, that boy's in C.J. Mahaney's little group. Bunch of homeschooled, uh, house church, uh, uh, careful, articulate in the way that he pronounced his words, and he would... Heard somebody else say that, and I was like, oh, you're giving me Baptist energy. Baptist energy. You know, shouting and... Ha! I go, probably in that church, they have like an Awana club. Awana for the kids, Bible memory. And they focus on making sure in every single service there's a come to Jesus moment and personal evangelism. Lots of good values in that. But it's interesting how groups take on the personality. It was never in the material. But we watch how should I stand when I preach? What should I do? How should I pronounce the word God? Should I pronounce it God? Or should I call him Papa God? Or should I call him God? And when I say, and when I want the congregation to interact with me, do I say, amen? Or do I say, are you with me? Now you hear where I'm at. Who's tracking with me? That's what I say. And when I listen back, I go, oh, why do I say that? I don't know. But likely, if you growed up in this church and then later you leave here and you preach somewhere else 
there's going to just be a heck of a lot of Tim Miller coming out of the, your mannerisms. Yeah, that's right. So that scares me a little. Yeah. <laughs> Among you. So the dwell part just means this is supposed to be a lived experience, guys. Our big song and dance is God's love, is it not? Our big song and dance is God's love. And God's love cannot be a song we sing, a prayer we pray, and something that's on a piece of paper. God's love must, for the word to dwell among us, must become our lived experience. I am loved by God. Jesus said, you want to enter the kingdom, you have to become like a little child. How are children? When children want something, do they say to the parents, I deserve that. I've earned that. Well, maybe the older ones do. The little ones don't. Little ones, they say, I want that. Why do they say it? What's the, what's the basis of their request? It's very simple. Their request is based on one very simple thing. They are the children. And they are loved. You can't even enter the kingdom unless you receive it with the simplicity of a child who says, I don't deserve this, but I'm, the child. I'm a child and I'm loved. Yes, that's wonderful? Okay. The word of Christ must become our lived experience. Among you, notice this. In the English, I think it's just rendered in you, which English is kind of dumb because it's vague, but the Greek's precise. It means among y'all. Let the word of Christ dwell among y'all. Among y'all. And I know the youth want me to say among us, so I'll say it. Among us. <laughs> You're welcome. I know you want me to. Oh, Pastor Tim was acting sussy. <laughs> it's a video game. It's, 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 I'm tired of it in my house, but it's, it happens. So is Christianity private? It's not, is it? Is Christianity personal? So it's supposed to be intensely personal, but it's not meant to be private. In fact, it's meant to be corporate. The body of Christ is not a group of people who gather for an hour on Sunday and say hi, and they fight to get in to get the best seats, and then they fight to get out to get to the best seats at the buffet. I feel like you can tell a lot about a church by how quickly people leave afterward. And if, if, it's a, if we become a church where people skate out as soon as it's over, I'll be like, I'm failing at, at building healthy church. Right? Just big smile. Because I, I, you know, every time I go to a conference with a big name speaker, I can podcast big name speakers. I don't need to go to a conference for that. So what am I going for? I'm going for the we. There's a shared experience. I've often found more Holy Spirit power, flow, uh, life in the pews with the friendships I make, right? I remember one conference, I'm hanging out with these people. They're sitting next to me. We start talking. I'm getting prophetic stuff for them, speaking it over them. And they're going, holy cow, what is going on here? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on either. It just, I feel it and I know it and I say it. And then you're confirming that it's true. We connect. Then we go out for a meal. We go out for a meal. And I get a prophetic word for the waitress. And they go, that's a good word. So they add a $100 bill to the tip just as a way of underlining the word the Lord gave her about how much he loves her. And she's reduced to tears. And I'm going, I don't even know you people, but I know you people. 
I don't even know you, but I know you, and I love you. That was, Bob Hazlitt was great. Actually, the best thing Bob Hazlitt did there was not be good at preaching. He preached from notes. He was like, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to preach from notes. And it was terrible. And then the next session, he left his notes behind, and it was amazing again. And there's other people who are the opposite, that if they preach from notes, they're anointed, but if they go off script, they're like random and crazy, and you're like, oh, something's gone. But I learned so much from him screwing up. Because he's wired to work a certain way, and when he goes off script, and he, I learned so much. I'm off script, aren't I? It's fine. I like it. Among you, we're to be a body, not a group that gathers for an hour on Sunday. We're to be a family that goes through life. Life's a journey. It has ups and downs, hard things and good things. We're to be a family that goes through life together. Not a, not, not a oh man, I attend Gateway. <laughs> no, you are Gateway. And you're Gateway on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Richly. So he, he modifies it. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. Plusios, abundantly, wealthy, opulent, ample. So how is this ever going to happen if individuals are not taking their time to be with Jesus and seek his face every day? Lately, the Lord's been, when I wake up in the morning, the Lord's been almost putting a little bit of a, I guess the word is exhortation on me. Start today with me. Don't just rush to all the things that come. It's like, you know what I mean? You wake up in the morning and don't all the agenda items for the day rush at you at the same time, vying for priority. And then you're like, oh, it's three in the afternoon and I didn't seek God first. So he's been, when, I, when I've been waking up lately, he's been just sort of, before my eyes are fully open, he says, seek me first today. And I go, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. And I'm so ADD, as many of you know, that I will go straight from reading the Bible. Like if you were in my office watching me read the Bible, you'd think I was reading the Bible because my eyes are still looking at it. But my brain went from Aaron, his sons, his sons were killed because they offered strange fire. It happened on a, it was a, and then, and then after his sons were killed, he was, Moses was mad because he didn't eat the sacrificial meal. He burned it up instead of ate it. And so he violated the instruction, and that made me think of a time when I skipped a meeting in here because I was in a bad place and I didn't want to be ratty to people. So I just skipped out on the meeting because I was feeling so ratty and angry and just off balance. And then they were hurt that I didn't come to the meeting, but I'm still glad I didn't because if I had, I would have. Then, like, then I start thinking about some other thing, and then I go, I wonder how many volts or amps that speaker system could run. Is it four ohms? And how does that even work? And the next thing I know, I reach out to Google something, and then I go, I think I was supposed to be reading the Bible. And I have to pull the Bible back and push the keyboard back because my brain. Well, and that's why I say, stand up, hold your Bible in your hands, read it out loud and preach out loud to yourself. It's not because that's spiritual. It's because I'm ADD. And if I don't, there's just no telling what, what's going to go on. But we're to let the word dwell in us richly, richly, richly. There should be an overabundance. We're called to have an overabundance of Christ's words in us, Christ's gospel in us. It's really interesting, isn't it, how easy it is to have an overabundance of stupid memes in us or hobbies and interests or minutia. 
I, I remember hearing, you know, guys often are the ones who are like, I can't read the Bible, the Bible's boring. I was like, oh, okay, well, tell me, tell me the stats from the 96 Yankees, and they can. That's weird, because you're interested in what you love, right? It's like, I would never want to read a car manual or a spec sheet. I was working on the sound system in my car. Something wasn't working, so I had to check all the fuses. Suddenly, the diagram for the fuses became intensely relevant. I have a theory that if the Bible's boring, it's because your life is not set to the obedience of Jesus on the front lines of his mission. Amen. And that the closer you are to the front lines of his mission, the more complex it is what you're trying to do, and the more important it is that you have insight and understanding for how to do it. Amen. Anything that's just theory, it has nothing to do with what you're doing with your hands becomes boring right away. Well, I don't know about that. It's people jumping out of airplanes and with the wingsuits flying down those things. I am not doing it, but it's still interesting to me. I could be wrong about that. But it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And if the, if the word of Christ is to dwell among us richly, then it's got to first be in our heart richly. Teaching. Teaching each other. This word involves the, the idea of training, not just teaching. In America, I've said this so many times, we line people up in straight rows facing the front like we're doing right now. And some dude talks for a long time. You either pay attention or pay somebody else to take notes or read the Cliffs notes. And, and you regurgitate the information the best you can on a test. Hopefully you pass and then you forget it the rest of your life. And that's school. Mm -hmm. yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Has almost nothing to do with real life. You're going to have to learn this because you're not going to have a calculator at, uh, in your pocket all the time when you go up. <laughs> so you better get it figured out. <laughs> and other lies, I was told. But I tell you what, man, A squared plus B squared equals C squared came in real handy when I was trying to calculate rise over run. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody, somebody up in here understands the angle of a roof. And when you're trying to cut a board, nobody? All right, okay. Right angles? Again, it comes back to what are you trying to actually do with your hands? Suddenly the Word of God gets real relevant when you're like, I'm stuck. How do I get unstuck? And you've tried counselors and human wisdom and all your dumb friends and none of it worked. And your latest pop theory and your happy preacher who's got a huge... Okay, don't go there, Tim. My, I remember one of my mentors working with a young man who was in addiction and he wasn't getting him free. And he had his Bible and his Bible's all worn out and marked up and he threw it on the desk. And he said, God, this isn't working. This isn't working. You say your answers are in your book. And the Lord began to unfold it to him in a deeper way. I just think sometimes we look every which way and we kind of glance at the word in a surfacey way, but we expect it to give us deep results from a surface quick reading. The Bible has stuff in it that's so foreign to our culture, and we're in a culture and we're formed by a culture. Yes. Like I always say, fish don't know they're wet, but you throw them out on, on dry land and suddenly they go, something's wrong, help. You throw us in the water, we go, what, something's wrong, help. But our culture is like that environment, and we're so attuned to our culture that we don't even know how to navigate some of the things of the kingdom. And some of the things of the kingdom are so different than the way we naturally think 
that God literally has to first create a whole category before we can even understand what he's saying. I don't need to go off on that. Teaching, admonishing. Uh, Every single one of you is called to teach, at least by your example. And every single one of you's best way of teaching is to focus not so much on teaching, but to focus almost exclusively on following Jesus. If you don't even worry about teaching, but just focus on following Jesus more closely tomorrow than you did yesterday, I'm just gonna gonna follow him more closely. What will happen is your life will teach, and you'll teach things you don't even know you're teaching. When I hung out with my father-in-law for a summer, he taught me all sorts of things he had no clue he was teaching me. He'd get up in the morning, I've said this so many times, he'd get up in the morning and sit on his porch and do nothing with a cup of coffee for 40 minutes. I did not even know what to do with that. I didn't. I didn't even know what to do with that. And then he would steadily work all day long. Not once was he in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry. My wife can watch me walking and tell you if I'm working on a project. The other day she says, you're in project mode. What you working on? Because I'm like shoving kids out the way in the hall. (laughs) If I could transport myself with Star Trek technology back to the tool zone, I would just do, do. Oh, man, Lowe's. Why is Lowe's not next door? Because I can't do a project without going to the store thrice. You know, and it's not done unless I've done it three times because I did it wrong. Yeah, thrice. Three times. We do it nice because we do it thrice. You know those... Oh, don't go there, Tim. Admonishing. Admonishing. Teaching and admonishing. Admonish means to put something in, in mind. It's to warn, to exhort, to instruct, to advise. It's, it's uh, man, I, I, honestly, when I think of admonishing, I think of Dan Moeller yelling at me, yelling at me, saying, why do you let that move you to anything in your life? Divorce, cancer, heart attack, lost children, wife in a coma, friends rejected you, lost a job. He says, nothing can take you from the love of God. Nothing takes you from the purposes of God. All the purposes of God will come to pass in your life, no matter what, no matter what life does, what death does, what the enemy does, what angels, demons do, what the present, past, future does. Nothing, this is Bible right here, nothing Nothing can change your status as a child of God, and God is working all things together for your good and his glory. That doesn't belong to the Calvinists, by the way. That belongs to all the church. They get in it too. They get on it better than us half the time on that theme because they understand there's a big God who is in some mysterious way working everything together. He's not in control, but he's in charge, and he knows how to do things that we don't understand. And because of that, I hear Dan Moeller yelling in my ears. And I have for a good, I don't know, eight, nine years now. Why do you let that move you? Why do you let that move you? Now, he doesn't mean you should be unaffected. He means don't let anything move you from the hope of the gospel. We cry, guys. We cry. Paul says that. We grieve. We just don't grieve like the world. We grieve, but we do not grieve like those who have no hope. We lean on each other. We lift each other up. And you know what? We need admonishing. And we're to teach each other with the word that we're, you know. Can you picture this with me? A body of people who's all in their Bible. And that means every one of us understands different levels, don't we? 
We all understand different levels. We also understand through the lens of our own calling. Talking with Ray the other day, and he's like, when, God, when you love someone, you feed them food. And I said, sorry if that was a, is that how you sound? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you love someone, you feed them food. Look what Jesus did with the 5,000, what he did with the 4,000. And I thought, I told Carrie later, I said, that's fascinating what you pick up on through the lens of your own calling. You know? And which might be a clue to some of your spiritual gifts, the things that you fixate on and the question. Because I obsess when it says, and the word of the Lord came to me. And I'm like, but how? How did it feel? When did it happen? Did you feel it in your body? Did you feel it in your spirit? Was it a still small voice? What was that like? I kind of obsess over those kind of questions. Why? Well, because revelatory gifts are where I tend to flow. I'm going to end. When Carrie was a student in college, what happens in your heart when I mention your name? Do you get panicky deer in the headlights? Okay, not at all. She was in the cafeteria and she overheard a conversation that marked her and me for life. The conversation was going on and somebody said something that a Christian ought not say, which we often do, if we're honest. And another person said, very gently, but clearly, brother, be above reproach. And the interaction was over. And Carrie was listening in and she was like, wow, that's what it's supposed to look like. Someone goes off the path a little and a brother loves him enough to say, scooch back in. This is how we walk in Christ. That's admonishing. And we're called to do that. Stan's been doing that. God, I've been saying, Stan didn't call me on the phone and say, hey, I'm going to tell you stuff in the hopes that you'll repent. That's not how he is. He's not a passive-aggressive kind of a guy. But he was just telling me what Jesus was inviting him to do to make sure his heart was in a good place with people and relationships. And that was an admonishment for me. By example... Ooh, that's a good word. That's a good word. With all wisdom, final word. You know that, we all know this, don't we, that a wise person is a clever, intelligent person who has extra more insight and understanding, right? But when we're talking about divine wisdom, we're often talking about something that worldly wisdom will find stupid, irrational, and just weird, Right? Divine wisdom, the kind that Paul is saying, let the word of Christ dwell among you as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom, means that in how we steward the word in community, you don't just say what you think. There's a wisdom to it. There's a timing to it. There's a gentleness to it. You don't just walk up to somebody and you go, all the things that are out of line, when, you know, the admonishing word, all oh, the stuff that Doug did that I don't think is right, I'm just going to tell him right now. Blah, blah, blah. That's not helpful. I, I'm not thinking of anything. I like you a lot and I respect you a lot. I'm just picking on you because you happen to... I, yeah, let's hug. But I heard this story, and I think I'll try to, I keep saying I'm trying to end. I really am trying. You see me? I'm really working, working to get in. It's like there's a current, and I'm walking towards a door that's uh, upstream. Young couple comes to Jesus, brand new, fresh and green. They don't know nothing about Jesus except he loves them, and their sins are forgiven. 
They're still drinking, smoking, cussing, doing whatever they do, spending money however they spend it, living together, unmarried. And the pastor is meeting with them. How many of you think that on day one or week one or even month one that the pastor needs to lay out for them how to talk, how to drink, how to dress, how to, you know, how to spend their money, how not to spend their money, how to, is, is that wisdom? But every one of those issues matters, doesn't it? One way to put it is we got bigger fish to fry. Did you know I smoked for a while after I came to Jesus? It wasn't the first issue he dealt with. And some of you might smoke right now. It might still not be the biggest fish Jesus is frying up in your life right now. This pastor taught them who they were in Christ and they read scripture together. And then he would ask them questions. Instead of him being the Holy Spirit and telling them, change this, stop this, do this, he fed them the word of God and asked them questions. For example, they like to use phrases like GD as an emphasis word. That's irreverent, guys. Actually, I'll be honest with you, I'm less offended by a bunch of cuss words than I am by people saying gosh. So at my house, you might be like, whoa, that's allowed, but that's not. Uh-huh. Gosh is on the list right up there by the F word. So he's reading them some scriptures that have to do with not taking the Lord's name in vain. And then he, instead of saying, and this is what you've been doing, he says, can you guys see any ways in your life where treating God's name with weight and seriousness has been out of, out of, out of balance. And they go, well, yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe we, we should probably change that. We've been doing that. A wise use of the word in each other's life listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit for what is the next step God wants this person to take and deals graciously, lets them, lets them hear the Lord. All right, okay. Sometimes we're trying to clean the fish when they're not even in the boat. And most fish go, I am out of here. <laughs> Tried to scrape off my scales. Who dat? Who dat? I'm going to pray and then hand it over, okay? God, I ask that you would seal the words that you've spoken while I've been talking, you've also been talking. And what you've been saying to each heart is more important than the words that I've been saying. And I ask that you would seal what you've been saying to each heart. It might have even been slightly off topic from what I'm talking about. But I, I want you to seal in Jesus' name the things you've been saying and breathing on each heart. Bring us to a greater place of faith in you. Let it bear fruit in our lives. And God, make your love our lived experience. And we say our yes to you. Amen. I'm just thinking about how to follow up because Tim really brung, brung a word this morning. I, the Holy Spirit was just all over me the whole time, the whole time he was preaching. Just like, whew. But during worship, the Lord, the Lord showed me about his table. And he said, this is his table. And God's prepared a table for us. And there's different meals at the table. There's meals of salvation. 
There's, there's meals of healing. There's meals of just coming, coming close to God. So if you need any of those meals, you can come up here when, when I'm done. And whoever's on, on prayer team can come up here. This table is open for anybody that needs anything from the Lord, regardless if it's salvation, healing, just a, just a fresh touch from the Lord, whatever it is, the table's open.